Mr. Drutt said we wasn't to hurt him, warned another voice. I recognised the other voices belonging to Ketch, one of Mangle's bully cronies. My eyes had got accustomed to the light now, and I could see Mangle and Ketch standing outside the cupboard. Mangle spat on the floor and scowled. For the moment, he said, but once Mr. Drutt's finished with you, Reed, then it's my turn, he added nastily. With that, he and Ketch grabbed me by the arms and dragged me roughly out of the cupboard. I tried to shake free of them, but it was no use. My head and legs still ached, and they were both too strong for me. They half walked, half dragged me out of the laundry room and along winding corridors until we were outside Drutt's office. Mangle knocked at the door. Come in, called Drutt. Mangle opened the door and he and Ketch hauled me into Drutt's room. I was surprised to see another man standing in the office with Drutt. Was this one of the inspectors, I wondered? Had he heard about what happened and come to check out a complaint against Drutt? Could it be, could that be why Drutt had told Mangle and Ketch not to hurt me when they came for me? But as I took a closer look at the man, I realised he was definitely not one of the inspectors. When we saw the inspectors, they were nearly always dressed like gentlemen in expensive looking suits and clean white shirts. This man wore rough looking clothes, patched in places, and his face and hands were grimy with ingrained dark dust that had worked its way under his skin and become part of his colouring. No, not dust, soot. I guessed he was a chimney sweep. We brung greed for you, Mr. Drutt, announced Mangle. Good boy, nodded Drutt. You can go. Mangle looked at me warily. What if he attacks you, Mr. Drutt, like he did me? He asked. He's mad. He might try and bite, take a bite out of you. Drutt shook his head. Don't worry, Mangle. Even if he gets vicious, I think two fully grown men like myself and Mr. Griffin will be able to take care of ourselves. He gave a sly grin, and there's nowhere in this room he can climb that we can't reach him. Mangle nodded in agreement, but still looked unhappy about the situation. I could tell he wanted to get his revenge on me for biting his thumb. Very well, Mr. Drutt, he said, but me and Ketch will be just outside, just in case you need us. With that, Mangle and Ketch left the office and shut the door behind them. Drutt's office was as shabby as the man himself. Drutt wore the cheapest of clothes. He told the inspectors and anyone who'd listen that he couldn't dress in finer clothing because he spent so much of his money on the children in his care. The children, my dear sirs, I'd heard him say to someone who came round checking if the workhouse merited charity. All the money we receive goes to their welfare and upkeep. And I also add what little money of my own I have to ensure they are well fed and kept healthy. People often say to me, Mr Drutt, why do you not dress in fine clothes and have fine furniture that befits a man in your position in charge of such a large establishment? But I tell them, sirs, my conscience won't allow it. While there is one child in this great city of ours that is hungry or needs help, I will spend every penny I have on their well-being rather than on myself. The clothes that I wear, poor but clean, will be my constant reminder of that. The truth was that Drutt was a miser who hated spending money and this was a perfect excuse for him. It also made him look like a saint in the eyes of gullible rich people, and so they were happy to give him donations for the children, all of which he pocketed. In the same way that he couldn't bear to spend money on his clothes, he didn't spend money on his furnishings, but instead scrounged old furniture and carpets and curtains when he could. The piece of patterned rug on the wooden floor was worn so much it was almost threadbare. 
The office walls were painted in the cheapest green paint and were flaking. The old wooden desk burnt and stained in parts, creaked under the weight of the papers that were piled on top of it. Files with details of some of the workhouse children. The only item of furniture that looked in any way comfortable was an old couch and that was because Druck would often take a nap on it rather than go to his own home and spend his own money on coals for his own fire. The chimney sweep, Mr Griffin, had been standing surveying me quietly all this time, like a man studying a horse before deciding whether to buy it. Suddenly, and in the same way a man buying a horse does, he bent down and poked at my mouth. Open your mouth, boy, he said, and his voice was hoarse and full of phlegm, like a man who coughs a lot. I suppose that comes from working with soot in the chimneys. I opened my mouth and he examined my teeth, poking at them with one of his stubby, soot-sound fingers. Satisfied, he stood up and nodded. Good teeth, he grunted. Druck gave a low laugh. As young Mangle would testify, he chuckled. Reed nearly bit through his thumb clear to the bone, he nodded. Satisfied. I can assure you, Mr Griffin, he's healthy enough. And our jar put in Griffin. To me, he said... I watched you scale that wall, young fellow. I was seeing Mr Druss here on a matter of business and there was all this hullabaloo and next minute you was a-going up the wall like you was a natural. He nodded, satisfied. Griffin, says I to myself, that's the boy for you. And he is, I assure you, Mr Griffin, said Drutt, adding a murmur, if the price is right, of course. Griffin shot him a sharp look. It will be you, old crook, he snapped. Drutt looked shocked. He frowned at Griffin and cast a wary look at me. Then an indignant look back at Griffin. Really, Mr Griffin, I must ask you to mind your tongue in front of the boy. Griffin looked as if he was going to snap something back at Drutt. But then he obviously changed his mind and just nodded. Very well, Mr Drutt, he said. I'll give him a try tomorrow, see how he shapes up. If he does as well as he looks, we'll fix a price. Drutt looked doubtfully at Griffin. We know the price, he said. It's the same as the previous one. The previous one didn't last, Mr Drutt, said Griffin, which meant good time and money spent to no purpose. He shook his head and looked at me. You ever been up a chimney boy? No, I answered. No, sir, barked Drutt sharply and smacked me around the back of my head, bringing back the ache. I felt tears of pain leap into my eyes. No, sir, I said. That's better, said Drutt approvingly. Now what time are you needing tomorrow, Mr Griffin? I'll see that he's ready. I'll take him now, said Griffin. I've got a job early in the morning and I can start getting him shaped up for it this evening. Very well, nodded Drutt. But if anything happens to him, you're responsible and I shall expect recompense. This boy is worth nearly £12 a year to me. Don't worry, he'll be safe. You'll get your money, said Griffin. To me, he asked, you got any belongings, boy? No, sir, I said, only what I stand up in. The chimney sweep nodded. Then come along with me. We're going to make you a sweeps, boy. <laughs>